0: I'm not governed by the fear of what other people say. you got to open your heart.
1: Well, number one, he's one of the elite offensive players in the game. What is leadership like in today's football world?
0: Welcome to an experimental edition of Not Another Philly Sports Talk Show. I'm, I'm very excited to launch us into this new, uh, this new era. This of- is like
2: the Pink Floyd of... Talk shows, very experimental.
0: We have gone full full, dark side of the moon, full geek mode. Um, We are sitting in the Novacare Complex, in the guardhouse that now serves as a uh, the media headquarters, Um, and we're going to talk about Carson Wentz because Doug Peterson just about 15 minutes ago uh, laid out his plans for Thursday night when the Philadelphia Eagles will open up, uh, barring any turf issues. uh, Their preseason schedule against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Carson Wentz will play the entire second half. It sounds like. Uh, but I think the thing that jumped out at me more than anything was that he will take the team, he will take the team out of the locker room and Doug Peterson kind of emphasized that Um, again, it gets back to what we've been talking about, you know, all summer and how, you know, this is not a normal quarterback situation. I knew like Doug Peterson wants, he wants his Sam Bradford in in his little, he wants to keep baby in a corner, but then he (laughs) wants, he wants to see Carson Wentz. Uh, He wants to see Carson Wentz as if it's the start of a real game. And I, I thought that was interesting. I'm not sure about you. I'm joined by, I'm, Joined by Mike Sielski, obviously, Uh, but also daily news columnist, Marcus Hayes. And um, I'm I'm curious to hear their thoughts on this.
2: Well, yeah, I I thought that was very, I also thought it was interesting that Sam Bradford was not available to speak to the media today because of a family matter, which apparently will keep him away until tomorrow or Wednesday. Um, I assume there's a family matter, but it was just interesting. Uh, I'll leave it at that. Um, And I think you're right. I think, you know, From a curiosity standpoint, it's always really fascinating and really exciting to see a prospective superstar make his debut. I'm really curious to see, and I I asked Doug Peterson and Chase Daniel about this today, I'm curious to see how Wentz reacts from just a physical and mental standpoint in terms of dealing with live action. Because if you've been out here and watched him, there are times where he looks every bit the second overall pick in the draft with the throws he can make and the way he can move. But there are also times where he sails the ball 15 feet over a receiver's head, and that seems to be born out of him kind of feeling his way through the offense. And so I want to see, and I asked Doug and Chase about this, I want to see how he reacts to the live action. Do things tighten up as Doug and Chase said they would? Or do the mistakes that he has been making in practice get worse when a defensive end and a linebacker are in his face?
0: Yeah, it was, it was another one of the interesting portions to me of Doug Peterson's press conference today. Jimmy Kempsky of phillyvoice.com, formerly of your philly.com, uh, asked Doug Peterson about some of Wentz's throws. And, and you know, he, he asked – Doug Peterson essentially sees what all of us have seen. You know, we all have eyes and we see the same things. And what we've seen is Carson Wentz, when he does throw errant footballs, it is usually – uh, you know, you saw McNabb would, would ground them. Mm-hmm. Carson Wentz does the opposite. He, yes. he sails them. And I personally think it's mostly his feet. Um, I think his feet move a little quick on him, um, which, which happens. And frankly, is not a minor thing. Um, but it's a thing that every young quarterback goes through. The only question is, but it's also the thing that sinks most quarterbacks, you know, I mean, all of these guys christian ponder Jake locker they look good in practice you know when they when they can you know their mechanics look good but it's when you're doing i, I compared it to uh you know uh, rubbing your belly and patting your head mm-hmm. you know while doing math problems that's essentially what it's like playing quarterback in the NFL and that to me um, is the interesting thing and what we're going to see out of Carson once once he faces a live blitz i mean because there's just only so much you could see in practice correct marcus
1: absolutely Dave i you know i've been here for 20 years and this is uh, I'm very seldom excited to see a new guy come to town and what he can do Iverson obviously you wanted to see what his career was going to be like Donovan McNabb we talked about you know when he got his first playing time in preseason 1999 it was it was a kind of a watershed moment for the franchise and I think we're going to see the same thing with Carson Wentz when he does bring the team out of the locker room in the second half and he does throw that first pass it's You know, there's a lot of anticipation and a lot of good anticipation. You know, we're in a we're in a time right now in Philadelphia sports where not a lot of good is happening. And Thursday night in Philadelphia will be maybe a a change of tone, at least for uh, at least for one night.
2: Yeah, that's I think you've touched on something, Marcus, that gets to kind of where the entire town is with respect to the Eagles, the Phillies, the Flyers, the Sixers, which is that we're all kind of waiting, both people who root for those teams and people who cover those teams, because they're not necessarily the same thing, um, we're all kind of waiting for all these prospective guys who are supposed to be really good, like Wentz, like Ben Simmons, like some of the prospects the Flyers have, like guys like Jake Thompson and J.P. Crawford and Nick Williams with I think the I Phillies. Read, I
0: think I read this in a column you might
2: at have. some point this week. Um, and it, But it's an interesting time, because Philly is such a right-now mode when it comes to sports. All the time, we're always... You know, why aren't they winning now? And why can't they win now? And why don't they go for it now? And this is this moment in time is kind of the exact opposite of that. And like you said, Thursday moves that forward.
1: Yeah, and, and no, no team more so than the Flyers being right now, right now. Right. And their strength they've shown has been remarkable. And the understanding the town has shown vis-a-vis Carson Wentz, Sam Bradford, and, you know, retaining guys like Jason Peters and investing in guys like Lane Johnson. It, it's an interesting uh, sort of sort of experiment to, to live through because I haven't I've been here for 20 years and I haven't seen this be accepted wholesale across the board the way it is. And, you know, five years from now, it had better it had better move. But again, the first big step is uh, is is Thursday night because being the quarterback in Philadelphia is the best and worst job in this whole region.
2: So, all right. So you were the daily news Eagles beat writer when they drafted McNabb, when McNabb was a rookie second, I think third, or f- mm. even fourth year. Right. What similarities do you see between the atmosphere and the player now with Wentz versus McNabb in 1999?
1: Well, the Eagles were abysmal the year before McNabb was drafted. So drafting a quarterback over the, the the guy who was the fashionable choice, Ricky Williams, the right. running back, that was kind of a leap of faith with Andy Reid. But people were kind of on board. Not necessarily Mary Rendell, but people <laughs> or the Daily News back page. But the people were kind of on board to see. Okay, well, we've seen what's happened in San Francisco. We see where you know other teams are going, being quarterback centric. Maybe we should be too. The player, it's it's a good point you raised, the player was very, very raw. Carson Wentz is a raw player mm-hmm. with great talent. Donna McMabb ran an option offense in Syracuse that relied on him running the ball or throwing deep passes to very, very good NFL caliber wide receivers. Right. So One and, of whom
2: just got in the Hall of Fame. This exactly.
1: Weekend. And uh, another of whom who was drafted in the second round with him mm-hmm. and played for 10 years in the league. So it's an interesting time. You, you really need to have patience with quarterbacks like McNabb or Wentz because, as Dave noted, they have so many fundamental imperfections, not flaws, but imperfections that are perfectible. We saw Michael Vick turn into an actual NFL quarterback when he was coached by actual NFL coaches who invested time in him and demanded things of him. It can happen with everyone. Carson Wentz is a wonderful athlete. It might happen with him faster than either of those two guys.
0: Yeah, I mean the one the one interesting thing, um, and it's kind of a strange dichotomy in the situation because on the surface they're 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 similar. They're similar players, you know, um, similar situations. At the same time, uh, you know, the Eagles are coming off as you said they weren't awful last year. They weren't as bad as as the '98 Eagles. At the same time, you could argue that. Those 98 Eagles had a better framework in place by the time Donovan arrived. They drafted Trey Thomas the year before, signed John Runyon, I think, the first year. Um, they'd signed Steve Everett, I remember, mm-hmm. uh, drafted uh, Doug Brzezinski, John Wellborn, and Scott Peters.
1: And their defense was in place. You know, Andy Reid gets a lot of credit for having, you know, runs toward Super Bowls and NFC championships. He made those runs with the defensive players that Ray Rhodes and his regime drafted and developed. It's it, and the offense has to function. Once the offense began to function, they became a viable team. But the best players, the most talented players on most of those teams, played on the other side of the ball, and Andy Reid inherited them. So to your point, yes, the framework was there, and it, which made this a very attractive job. Andy Reid was a he he was a quarterbacks coach who was a top candidate to be a head coach because of the old rules kept him from being, I guess, marketed the way that he should have been marketed in the 90s, maybe going to another place and becoming coordinator, then becoming a head coach. But he came here because, as you said, there was a wonderful framework in place and they had the best cap guy in Joe Banner. Yeah, and like
0: there's there's always part of me that wonders whether, you know, quarterback should be rated in a – In conjunction with his offensive line i i mean you look at russell wilson i mean it's i don't think it's a a fluke that nick Foles goes from this situation to that situation and looks like he's never played quarterback before i'm not a big nick Foles fan um but he played behind a better offensive line here uh you know russell wilson was good his rookie year but this but the seahawks have one of the best offensive lines you know in the league um even look at the broncos they're they're willing to now they're a bit of an anomaly given given their defense and how good it is but they're willing to roll into a season with Trevor Simeon and Mark Sanchez and uh, Patton Oswald or, or <laughs> Paxton Lynch. Not Patton Oswalt. Between- <laughs> <laughs> Who is Pat? He's a, he's, a comedian, he's a comedian, isn't he? Yeah. All right. Anyway, Paxton Lynch. You know, I I think that McNabb. That's the one benefit he had in addition to his mobility. You know, they they. Andy loved that offensive line and he was determined to build it and he was determined not to get his guy killed. And I think that almost more than anything was the reason why Doug Peterson was out there was to, to be the sacrificial lamb. Um, and, and frankly, I think why Sam Bradford was so upset <laughs> this off season because he understood that he essentially was, he, he was taking the bullets for the guy. And, you know, the one thing Mike, you know, you've been, I've been at practice with you more than Marcus. I don't know if you've noticed the same thing, but you know Matt Tobin's still not good, um, and he's he's been out there in place of Jason Peters, and you know there has not these quarterbacks have not had a lot of time to throw this camp, and I don't think it. it I don't know how evident it is. Um, you know you, you don't see guys on the ground. Quarterbacks can't get hit, but I wouldn't be surprised if if that's a huge storyline coming out of the first week.
2: I couldn't agree with you more. It's the one. It's the position on the team where, one of them anyway, where there just seems to be a presumption that there's going to be improvement, that the offensive line is going to be better this year than it was last year just because. Well, Jason Peters is a year older, and Jason Peters wasn't very good at the end of last season. And yes, it may be because Chip Kelly was having him run plays at twice as fast as any other you know, left tackle in the NFL. But it may also be that Jason Peters just might be regressing. You still have Andrew Gardner, Dennis Kelly, Matt Tobin, Uh, you know, these guys are still, you know, Alan Barber is apparently going to start by all indications that Doug Peterson has given. So they didn't correct a lot. I mean, they brought in Brandon Brooks, who presumably is going to be better. And I think everybody can anticipate he's going to be better, but there's no discussion that as Peterson said today, there apparently has not been uh, much discussion of moving Lane Johnson over to left tackle if Jason Peters is hurt and can't play or you know, is ineffective or whatever the case may be, he's been over on the right side the entire time, which means that it's going to be one of those other guys on the left side if it comes to that, which should not make Sam Bradford, Chase Daniel, or Carson Wentz very comfortable when they drop back to throw.
1: Well, the, 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 the legacy short-term of Chip Kelly will be the fact that he neglected the offensive line. And perhaps with his system, there shouldn't be a premium on using top picks and a lot of money – to bolster the offensive line and develop it but you needed a second or third round pick each year to develop into a starter and you're not going to hit on each of them he just didn't want to waste any of those picks he wanted to use all his picks to make his team the best it could be that year because he coached with a college mentality (laughs) you know the turnover in college is is remarkable and the depth in college is unprecedented so all that said they have to get out of this rut and Honestly, you can have a viable offensive line with a decent running game and a, and, a, and a, I guess you would say a a competent quarterback. We don't really know that we have any of those things here in Philadelphia. You just, you
2: just described the situation that Peterson was in in Kansas City. Right. I mean, you know, with a dynamic running back in Jamal Charles who then got hurt and they were still able to make it work. Now mm-hmm. the difference there, I'd argue, is while they had a competent quarterback in Alex Smith, they also mm-hmm. had a mobile quarterback in Alex Smith Sam Bradford ain't that Carson mm-hmm. Wentz might be Sam Bradford is not
1: and they had spectacular to Andy Reid went to Kansas City again because the defense yep. was spectacular yeah this defense might be competent and might be pretty good but I don't think anyone would describe any uh, describe the defense as a whole or any component of it as spectacular
2: No, you're right to follow to kind of continue the McNabb Wentz parallel if you will Marcus um, did you see Donovan take giant leaps in those first couple years? Was it more gradual? I think, you know, my memory is bad and I'm kind of colored by what I would see on Sunday Mm -hmm. every week. And you didn't, you know, I wasn't at practice back then every single day where you might see a play where you go, oh, okay. He didn't, last week he didn't do that. Mm -hmm. This week he did. From what you remember, was it gradual or were there great leaps
1: forward? It was very gradual. The big jump with Donovan came... After they lost the playoff game, I think in St. Louis, to the greatest show on turf, Mm -hmm. and he saw Kurt Warner and uh, that offense all year execute. Mm -hmm. Donovan went from being a sort of a football player, a gunslinger, to being a quarterback the next time I saw him play football. Mm -hmm. It was a giant leap. He He became respectful of the process it only took a couple years. I don't know that Carson Wentz has that leap to make. But it's much more a mental leap than it is a physical leap. And it didn't matter who Donovan had in front of him. It didn't matter who the tight ends were. It didn't matter which running back was running that wheel route. And it didn't matter who he had on the outside. Donovan McNabb became a playmaker when he understood that the process was more important than the player. It's interesting
2: because I think you know Wentz has the ability, has the chance, I shouldn't say the ability, the chance to own the town, I mean, that was always the thing with Donovan was because that team never won a Super Bowl with him, there was this opportunity for total and complete national superstardom. I mean, he was chunky soup ads. He was Michael Jordan comparisons on this ascendance. And then he never got to the summit. He never won that. They never won that Super Bowl, not even necessarily because of him. I mean, it just never happened. And. That, to me, is the interesting thing with Wentz. I mean, it's the dynamic that, that we don't talk about very much because we get so immersed in the day-to-day of, you know, can he get the ball to Nelson Aguilar on the outside? And, you know, can Nelson Aguilar catch it? and Those sorts of things. Um, but we forget the power that a franchise quarterback can have. You know, Murph and I have talked about this on the podcast before. Tom Brady taking the Patriots from just another NFL team that nobody cared about to being part of the water-cooler discussion every year for 15 years. What Aaron Rodgers does with the Packers, what Brett Favre did with the Packers. Um, and Wentz is the guy who, if it all works out, is going to get the Eagles back to that point. And it's it's interesting to me from that standpoint to think back about, because I think we forget how, how much power Donovan McNabb had and could have had, um, both from the city standpoint and, and from the country as a whole.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think he was... I think when he started to get hurt was when he was right on the, the threshold. You know, I mean, the T.O. thing, it was just such a Damn. such a uh, bizarre trajectory that those middle years of the McNabb. Because, you know, the T.O. thing came and passed, and then he got hurt. And then by that point, you know, everything started falling apart. You know, um, it's int- they were talking about it on the radio this week. I guess McNabb said something stupid, as he's wont to do. Um <laughs>
2: You know, he basically came out and said that we we talked about this. He came out and said that the Eagles quarterback situation was stupid. Right. Which we agree. Yeah. (laughs) He actually got that one right. (laughs)
0: Yeah. I mean, the problem with with McNabb, obviously, it's also a weird, this is a very weird town. Like you got to be a real secure athlete to to not act like McNabb does because. You know, you're just nitpicked constantly. And, and, and the weirdest thing is, people pay more more than any other city I've been in, people pay attention to what you say and how you say it and what you do. I mean, I, I have friends who hated Chip Kelly because of his press conferences, because of how he acted. And I mean, you get it with Reed, too. Um, mm-hmm. You know, people would sit there and dissect not, not what he said, but like his tone of voice right. and like whether he thinks we're lesser people than him or not. You know, there, and McNabb just, you know, He's not a. He's not a. I don't think he's a bright guy necessarily, you know, um, or at least he's not a brilliant public speaker. He doesn't have a lot of street smarts. When he doesn't have a lot. He majored of Majored in
2: communication at Syracuse. He, I should, I yeah, he, I,
0: I think Carmelo majored in communication too. <laughs> uh, but uh, he doesn't have. I don't think he has a ton of emotional intelligence, as they would say. Oh, there um, we go. I mean, he just. I mean, he's he's a dummy. He says stupid things. But like in other towns, it doesn't bother people nearly as much as it bothers them here.
1: Well, it's interesting you say. If you think about the the people in Philadelphia, the athletes in Philadelphia over the last twenty years, who've had a chance to own the town, and and have failed. Mm-hmm. They were Allen Iverson, who has a, a huge following, and a great appreciation, but a lot of critics as well. You go, you leave Philadelphia, Allen. People can't understand why Allen Iverson doesn't rule the town. Same thing with McNabb, who had a. I think it was two thousand and ten. Might have had his best statistical year. You know, so he had a resurrection that is kind of obscured. Eric Lindros was always a, a sort of a, a source of controversy. It, it's almost as if... Mike, Philly, Mike Richards and Jeff Carter. Mike Richards and Jeff Carter, even... And these are guys who were, you know, pretty clean, you know, until until they leave anyway and played hurt and played hard. Yeah. But, yeah, it's an interesting town in that unless the people who are listening to you feel like you are with them. Yes, Chip Kelly was never more popular than he than when he said... We're Philadelphia and we fight. And that was totally contrived and totally, (laughs) totally acting. He has no affinity for Philadelphia and and Philadelphians, but he was smart enough in that moment to know that that was a, a time when the iron was hot and he should strike. That's something you need to figure out as an athlete or a coach in Philadelphia. It'll be interesting to see if Carson Wentz can figure that out. And, you know, last year, the last month of the season, Sam Bradford had figured that out. Sam Bradford was eloquent and becoming liked and people wanted him to stay around despite his sort of spotty track record. It's just remarkable that the people who didn't want him to stay around were his employers who who hired his replacement. (laughs) It is. It's pretty amazing. Uh,
0: After hiring him. yes, (laughs) We've already talked about that way too much. Um, We've also talked probably about as much as as we can talk right now. It's a Monday um, at Two days off coming up for the Eagles, and then uh, Thursday night. Thursday night it starts. I'm excited. I, I love football. Um, um, it's something to watch. Uh, I find
2: you weren't you weren't sucked in by the Olympics on Sunday night.
0: You know what? I, I think I said this last week. Just the the corruption, compl- <laughs> seriously, completely takes away my ability to enjoy enjoy the things. Like it's although just NBC
2: like, is trying its its best to make sure you are forget they? about that.
0: Yeah, well, I know. Well, that's the whole thing. It's like yeah. we're supposed to just sit here and pretend that like. You know, this is benefiting the whole of Brazilian society when it's like the elites, the elites have essentially imported a market for themselves to make money off of. And then we'll kick them all out and send the money overseas and the favelas will remain as they are.
2: Yeah. So.
0: (laughs) But but go Gabby Douglas. (laughs) Um, Anyway, like we're going to turn our attention to a a a a wholesome sport like football. That's Um, right. You know. Who always has the interest of society in mind. <laughs> um,
2: Particularly the it's practitioners, it's it's employees, ex- their yeah. health, their yeah. long term welfare. Just just good
0: old American Norman Rockwellian fun. You got it. Um, we will be back with you on Friday. Um, I, think, I think. Yes. Is that the plan? That is the plan. We're gonna we're gonna break down the. Uh, maybe Marcus will join us again. Um, we're gonna break down the uh, everything we see. I'm excited because this is the most anticipated debut in Philadelphia. Um, since McNabb and until Ben Simmons, right? I'll go with it. All right. See you next week or on Friday.